Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a science-backed workout that can slash your exercise time, how collective narcissism can make groups toxic, and how dolphins use strategy to make friends. Let's satisfy some curiosity. The pandemic has left us with fewer options for exercise. Gyms are closed or limiting attendance, and workout classes are happening less often or not at all. If you're looking for a new way to get your sweat on, I've got a suggestion that's backed by science. Studies show high-intensity interval training, or HIT, can get you the benefits of a 45-minute workout in as little as 10 minutes. And you can do it in your living room. Here's how it works. The basic concept of HIT centers on intervals. In other words, short bursts of really intense cardio interspersed with rest periods. The idea is that making your heart work at a high intensity for short periods can get you the same benefits as working at medium intensity for one long, uninterrupted period of time. It might sound too good to be true, but it does have science to back it up. In 2008, researchers had people perform four to six all-out intervals of just 30 seconds each with rests in between, three days per week. Even though their workouts were just 10 minutes long, these people showed the same muscular and fat-burning benefits as participants who cycled at a moderate pace for 40 to 60 minutes, five days per week. Another study that had participants do a similar HIIT workout found that they had the same improvements as moderate-intensity cyclists in endurance, insulin resistance, and the microscopic muscle structures responsible for energy production and oxygen consumption. So the science says that the benefits of HIT are mostly identical to that of steady-state cardio, but there are two big differences. The most obvious is that HIT takes much less time. But there's another important difference. HIT requires intense, all-out effort. It's unpleasant, to put it mildly. If you already do long, moderate running or biking workouts and you mostly enjoy it, that grueling effort may not be worth it to you. If, however, the time commitment is what's keeping you from even starting a workout routine, HIT may be the plan for you. If you want to try it, grab a bike, your running shoes, or even a jump rope. Start with two minutes at an easy pace, followed by 20 seconds at near maximum effort. Do that twice more, then end with a three-minute cooldown, And you're done. I just hope you brought a towel. What do you call it when a person believes so firmly that their group is better than any others that they lash out against outsiders? Well, according to social psychologists, that's called collective narcissism, and it can quietly poison groups, organizations, and yes, even entire nations. You're probably familiar with narcissism on an individual level. When a person is a narcissist, they tend to have a grandiose sense of their own importance and not much empathy for anyone who isn't them. They have unstable levels of self-esteem that depend on the admiration of others. Narcissism gets the collective label when it's about a group identity, whether it's racial, political, national, or social. It can even apply to informal groups, like fandoms in social clubs. I mean, have you ever heard Star Trek fans versus Star Wars fans? Because I definitely have. While comparing collective narcissism to individual narcissism is a helpful way to understand it, 
that's pretty much where the relationship ends. I want to make sure to point out that individual narcissists don't automatically become collective narcissists. Collective narcissism is a relatively new field of study, but it's not a new idea. The term was first used in 1930 by philosopher Theodore Adorno to describe the attitude that fueled support for Nazi rule. Now, perhaps unsurprisingly, collective narcissism is having a little bit of a renaissance. In a 2009 study, researchers described collective narcissism as an emotional investment in an unrealistic belief about a group's greatness. The researchers conducted five studies and found that collective narcissism can actually predict aggression toward other groups. So it's not just about having pride in your own group. I mean, that can be a good thing. It's about having outsized pride that makes you hostile to those who don't belong. That's a bad thing. The problem here is that research has shown that collective narcissists tend to perceive any success of another group, like, say, the empowerment of minority groups, as a threat. Collective narcissists try to protect their own position by knocking the other group down a peg. The bummer is that collective narcissism isn't new, and it's powerful enough that it won't go away anytime soon either. So all we can do for now is try to understand it so we can fight against it, both in ourselves and in others. I found this a very useful way to help understand what's happening in the world these days. Being a teenager is tough. You're shaping your identity by figuring out what you like and which social group you belong to, all while learning how to be an independent adult. The friends you make along the way can be key to getting a job or meeting your romantic partner. Well, new research says that young bottlenose dolphins have it about the same. They choose the friends and activities that'll serve them best in adulthood. Unlike baby humans, young dolphins are pretty much on their own starting around age three or four when they're weaned from their mothers. For this study, scientists from Georgetown and Duke University wanted to know what they're up to when adults aren't around. The team analyzed decades worth of records from the Shark Bay Dolphin Research Project, which has collected data on wild dolphins living in Australia's Shark Bay since 1984. The nearly 2,000 dolphins from this group tend to stay in the area throughout their lives, which allows scientists to study them from birth to adulthood. To us humans, the dolphin social scene seems chaotic. Juveniles will switch social groups as much as every 10 minutes. Can you imagine the pandemonium in the dolphin cafeteria? But the team found that they also have a few close friends they prefer to spend time with. Dolphins usually pick besties of the same sex, but males and females spend their time differently. Young males act much like human boys, making physical contact and mimicking each other. Females tend to be more solitary and forage for food twice as much as the boys. Scientists say the way the youngins spend their free time is good practice for adulthood. Adult males are pretty rough on the ladies and will sometimes bite and slap them to get them to mate. Charming, right? Sometimes when there aren't many mates to choose from, males form small gangs and make alliances to steal a female from a rival group. After the birth, though, dad takes off and mom raises the calf solo for several years. So you can see why acclimating to alone time and developing foraging skills would be useful to young females before they have a mouth to feed. 
with the soap opera style drama of young dolphin social lives, the findings really give truth to the saying, choose your friends wisely. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up. Starting with the fact that you can get pretty fit in just about 10 minutes a day, thanks to high intensity interval training. Just do two minutes at an easy pace, 20 seconds, pretty much as hard as you can go, rinse and repeat, cool down for a few minutes, and you'll have gotten into better shape and finished a whole episode of Curiosity Daily. Improve your body and your mind. That's efficiency right there. <laughs> hey, I listen to all of my podcasts when I'm exercising. That's pretty much the only time I listen to podcasts. And I exercise a lot, so I listen to a lot of podcasts. That is pretty impressive. Do you hit? I do. Well, see, the thing about HIT is that runners have been doing it for like 100 years. Interval training is a standard speed workout for runners. Oh, right. But they do it to get faster, not for like the heart health benefits. But it turns out that there are other benefits. Yeah. You know, there's this thing called collective narcissism when people <laughs> believe a group they associate with is better than others. <laughs> I don't have collective narcissism about runners. <laughs> Goodness. All right, fine. And we learned that collective narcissism is when a person is emotionally invested in an unrealistic belief about their group's greatness. You might be able to spot it if you see someone putting down or actually attacking another group of people. And if you notice yourself doing it, cut it out. Try to give yourself some emotional distance. Your group doesn't define you. I was excited when I saw the name Theodore Adorno jump out because early on in my relationship with my wife, she gave me an essay by him called The Culture Industry, Enlightenment as Mass Deception. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. It is really interesting. It's not sciencey enough to make it on Curiosity Daily, so we'll probably never have a chance to talk about it. But like, it's some really cool stuff. And I don't know a lot about Adorno, but that particular paper... What's the gist of it? And basically talks about the way that mass media, like films and radio programs and magazines, are used to manipulate mass society, which is kind of ironic for me to say on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> that goes out to lots of people. But it's really interesting, uh, you know, kind of critiques various political and social elements within it. But I found it quite interesting. And I think that collective narcissism is really interesting, too. It definitely explains why you get toxic fandoms, for example, whether it's sports or video games or TV shows, or movies or whatever, and lots of other more nefarious kinds of toxic groups of people these days. Totally. We also learned that dolphins are strategic when they're making friends. They're not too different from humans in the ways they do it. Every time I learn more about a cute animal, I come away a little bit horrified. <laughs> like dolphins are a little violent. Like they're they're not they're not like super nice, but it makes sense that the teenagers, you know, make friends the way they do because of the ways that adults interact with each other. I wonder if a dolphin high schooler could make fetch happen. Probably. I want to know what fetch would sound like from a dolphin. Probably weird. <laughs> yeah. Good, Good talk. talk. <laughs> Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer, Kelsey Donk, and Steffi Drucker, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Scriptwriting was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.